Great to be here in what we call down in Limerick the big smoke, <laughs> Dublin. Big, big city, much, much bigger than, than Limerick any time going. So great to be here. I was going to wear the Limerick jersey outside. That, that might not fit this morning or this afternoon. So I said I'd get as near as possible to the Dublin colours here. But I have my Limerick socks. Do you like them? They're not lucky socks or anything like that. We don't need luck. How confident am I, huh? Okay, we're in part two. When I was here last month, I spoke to you about agreement and the importance of agreement. And this is a subject that changed my life, and I'm trusting that it will change yours as well. If you weren't here the last time, I'm going to recap a little bit on, on that uh, first message as well. We're looking at Genesis chapter 11 and verses 1 to 9, and I'm going to read from the NIV version just the first uh, nine verses of it. Now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. That was where Ur of the Chaldees was and Nippur and other cities were there as well. Nineveh came later as well. In verse 3, they said to each other, come let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used bricks instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise we'll be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the, the people were building. The Lord said, this is a very important verse, if as one people speaking the same language they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so that they will not understand each other. I like that verse, come let us go down. We believe in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are going down. So the Lord, in verse 8, scattered them from there over all the earth, and they stopped building the city. That is why it was, it was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. God, your word is God breathe. It can change our lives. Because the Holy Spirit has, has just put this together through human form in order that we would take in your ways, your strategies, your best for humanity. Lord, we pray for help to understand it. Bring it into our DNA so that our lives change to become more like Jesus and we become life changers in this dark world of ours. Help us by the power of your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. So we're in Genesis, and Genesis in Hebrew actually means seed pod. It's the book of origins or beginnings. So we see the, the seed of human existence here, and Genesis tells us some things about the city. We live in the city, the big city of, of Dublin. And we have to remember, the scholars tell us this is about 130 years after Noah. And the population is probably only in the region of 30,000 people. But these guys settle in what, was, what is now modern Iraq between the Tigris River and the Euphrates River. But can you believe this? In 1800, only 2.5% of the world's population lived in what we would call large urban areas. 
only 2.5%. In the year 2022, it's over 56%. So people are moving into the cities. Dublin isn't getting smaller. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And it needs the kingdom of God to come to more people. We see here in this passage three reasons the Babel builders, it's like a like tongue twister, isn't it? Babel builders build the city of Babel. And we see three reasons, the three purposes is, number one, it's for social reasons. We see in verse two, they wanted to settle there and not be scattered. In verse four, let's build a city that we might not be scattered. So that's a good reason for a city that people come together for social purposes. Number two, for technological advance. And I'm not talking about Facebook or, or Google or any of those big companies that are in, Lim in, I was going to say Limerick, Dublin. In verse three, it says, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly instead of stone. Everything was built on stone in those days, but these guys were innovative and they built bricks and had obviously baked them in a kiln like a potter would do. See, the city is a place of human development. You're seeing people do things differently, think things differently, act differently, and this brings creativity together when people gather together and they are able to be creative and innovative as well. So for social purposes, people to get, come together in the city for technological advance and finally for spiritual seeking. And we see that in verse four, let's build ourselves. These guys didn't come together just to have a place to live or to have government or anything, but they wanted a spiritual place as well. So they built this tower. Uh, the, the experts tell us it, it was called a ziggurat, not a cigarette, but a ziggurat. And this was steps they built, and you can see one of them in Ur of the Chaldees, even in, in, in Iraq these days. They, if, you, if you look it up online, you can see it. Steps up to the gods. And here, they, they're, they're, there's a spiritual seeking, but they're not seeking after Yahweh. They're not seeking after the God of Noah. They're seeking just for, to be open to this, whatever spirits come down and they want blessing down in the cities because we can only get blessing from God Almighty. We, if we leave ourselves open to other spirits, we are in trouble and the scriptures warn against that as well. But this is the, they, they, so God scattered them over making this city. He, he scattered them and, and they had different languages after this. But then we come to Acts chapter two and it talks about another city and that's Jerusalem. What happens in Jerusalem at Pentecost? People from every tribe and tongue and nation come in to celebrate Pentecost. What does God do? All these people, they're ethnically diverse. They're speaking different languages, but they hear the gospel in their own language and their lives get changed, which is amazing altogether. Then we go to the end of history, and I'm knowing going from Genesis right to Revelation. In Revelation 21 and 22, what do we hear there? But at the end of history, what happens? What comes down out of heaven? John tells us, he showed me the holy city, the new Jerusalem, not Dublin, but the new Jerusalem comes down out of heaven, shining with the glory of God, and in the middle of the city was the throne of God and of the Lamb, and there stood a tree, and the Psalm, Psalm 46 tells us, there's a stream who, which makes glad the city of God, the holy place, and the, the most high dwelling. And in Revelation 21, in verses 26 and 27, John writes, he says, the glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it, into the city, and those whose names are written on the Lamb's book of life. Has your name been written on the Lamb's book of life? Do you have eternal life? 
So important. That's the most important decision that you'll ever make in life. And John tells us about this city. He says in in chapter 7 and verses 9 and 10 of Revelation, John writes, There before me was a great multitude that nobody could count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And they cried out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. So we see tribes and tongues. Listen, in the last 25 years, what has happened in Ireland is that there's been a huge influx of people from different tribes, tongues, nations coming in. And we desperately need that. But it's almost as if God is getting ready for the, his second coming in a sense or an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we see that we badly need people from different, in, in abundant life in Limerick, we have 40 different, 47 different nationalities, I was told. That's huge. And how are you going to get agreement with 47 different nationalities? <laughs> That's a huge issue, massive issue for all of us. And it's so easy to have disagreement. So the importance and the power, and I want to see that power released in your life as it has been when I heard this message. I thought, this changed my life. It changed my pastoral care for people. It changed me in terms of conflict situations. I had to listen and I had to go deeper to solve conflicts and stop division happening in the church. So listen, I want to share because the agreement seems like a small subject, but listen, it is massive when it comes to scripture. And we need to release the power of it in our own lives and pass it on to others as well. This is the phrase that shocked me. I'm going back over a little bit of what I said the last time so we can get on to the final three points in the power of agreement. This is the the phrase that shocked me. It was by Pastor Alan Hewitt from Wales. He said this, all disagreement is an attack upon the will of God. All disagreement is an attack upon the will of God. And the reason for that is disagreement is so dangerous that it produces division. And division is contrary to the nature of God. It's contrary to God's nature. Because God is one God, three distinct persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they are always in total agreement. There is never discord. But for you and me, we experience discord. It's part of our life. We have never come to the place where none of us, we we never experience disagreement or division. It seems to be a part of life all over the place. And we see it in government and we see it in, in, in work situations and we see it in sports and we see it in our homes. And unfortunately, we see loads of it in the church which is shocking altogether. You see, the church hasn't learned to agree to disagree. Have you learned to do that? Because that's an important aspect of life where agree to disagree means that you don't keep arguing or fighting, you don't oppose, but you resolve a conflict in a manner whereby parties involved tolerate each other without accepting each other's positions. We saw that, I mentioned that last time in the Good Friday Agreement. People are living a new lifestyle in Northern Ireland because of the Good Friday Agreement. It isn't the solver of everything up there. There's still divisions, but it has 
escalated a sense of, of peace and harmony and has allowed different things to happen in different communities, which has been amazing altogether. We know from scripture that the first sign of disagreement in the Bible is from Lucifer himself. In Isaiah 14 and in Ezekiel as well points it out. That where, is, where Lucifer says, I will raise my throne above the stars, above everybody else, the stars of God. I will make myself like the most high. He's the first that disagreed and then he had division and a third of the angels went with him that's division and he's brought that down to earth as well so we see in Genesis at the beginning of humanity man and woman were in agreement with each other and with God and they walked with God in the cool of the day and with the amazing blessing and vision and 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 excitement of that beginning was, we, we can't imagine how, how blessed that was. But then, when man and woman lost agreement with God, they lost agreement with each other. They bought into, the, they bought into Satan's lies, because he's the father of lies. He wants disagreement. He wants division. And they bought into that, and the next generation then, you have two brothers, one killing the other. Because when there isn't agreement like that, when you move away from God, in the next generation, this actually happens. Because we need, listen, peace on earth is only possible under God's government. So let's look at the five. I want to go over the two I mentioned the last time. So Because if your memory is anywhere near mine, we forget these things. And to be reminded of them just equips us more and more. Okay, what is the power of agreement? One is... Agreement multiplies strength. In verse 6, we saw that th this the last time, God makes this incredible statement. He says, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, to build a city, build a power, then nothing, see what he says, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Agreement multiplies strength. This is unified humanity. And you see the strength multiplied. They, nothing they plan to do will be impossible. God is talking about godless people. Yeah. Nothing will be impossible for godless people because they are in agreement. How much more the godly? Yeah. Will he bless us and things will happen and we will bring heaven to earth through agreement? Yes. Because agreement without faith can accomplish more than disagreement with faith. The church should be in a much better position, but there's nothing we can do about that because it's water under the bridge. Because so much opportunity is gone because people have disagreed and people have gone on to divide the church rather than bring the church in agreement and use agree to disagree. Because Deuteronomy 32 and verse 30 says, one man can chase a thousand, two can put 10,000, five times more to flight. The enemy seeks to keep Christians from agreement. And it doesn't matter what the issue. It could be the color of the carpet. It could be the color of the tiles. It could be the location of the church, whatever it is. It could be the type of worship. I hear loads of stuff going on of criticism of, of, uh, between Christians criticizing each other because of different styles and, and different things. It makes me mad. Absolutely. Listen, when people justify their reasons for division, it is awful. And when they justify it with scriptures, and you can easily do that. Oh, God says in his word, and I'm standing on his word, and I will divide rather than try and work 
on agreement and unity and I'll sacrifice some of my own stuff in order for the bigger picture of what God wants to do. This is huge because Jesus himself, he prays, he's going to the cross, he's leaving the disciples and there is going to be Pentecost but he prays two things. He prays one for the believers who are left protect them from the evil one in verse 11 of chapter 17. Protect them from the evil because the evil one wants disagreement. The evil one wants division. He doesn't want agreement. He knows that agreement has, is absolutely powerful. And the second thing he prays for is that they may be one. One heart, one mind. And that is so, so important. I would make that a priority for every single church. Pastor Sean, has, has, he could have done something else. But what did he do? He could have belonged to a different church and vision and everything. But God spoke to him and said, South County Dublin. He didn't stay down in Newbridge. He says, I'm going to South County Dublin is where I believe God is sending me to plant a church. And that's what he did. And why have you got there's a new building and everything? I mean, there's an excitement in what God wants to do. That new building, when we all go into that new building, there's going to be tons of space. For who? For people who need to come and experience Jesus and, and follow Jesus. And that place is going to be full. It's going to go from one service to two. I don't know whether there's going to be two services to start with or whatever. But it needs to be full because the population of Dublin needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they need to do it through agreement. We all have different tastes and different perspectives and different ideas. And we need to put, it, put them down at the altar of God. That's the way abundant life started. We had to put all, all our gifts, all our, our, our talents, all our ideas on the altar and God would do something new and he did something new. It wasn't easy. We have to deny sometimes our own desires for the sake of staying together and following the greater purpose of what God wants to do because agreement multiplies strength. Nothing they plan will, to do will be impossible for them. That will happen with us here in South County Dublin. Believe me, it will happen. We got that sense when, when John mentioned about uh, breakthrough there in terms of nothing is impossible. There are some things that we feel are impossible and, and God was saying in the worship that Lord, the Lord is breaking those and coming through on those. So agreement multiplies strength. Number two, agreement empowers prayer. We saw the last time in Acts chapter one and two and three, uh, or two, two and four, when it says they continued in Acts chapter one and verse 14, they continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. They weren't just together. They weren't just praying. They were of one accord, one heart, and one passion. They were one mind, one passion. The day of Pentecost in chapter 2 and verse 1, before the outpouring of the Spirit, they heard Jesus saying, wait in Jerusalem, and I'm going to pour out power, power of my Holy Spirit. And they were of one accord in one place. In other words, they were saying to themselves, I'm with what the apostles have heard. I'm with them, 120 people. They heard, we are to wait in Jerusalem. We're to be under God's command and kingdom. And when they did that, boom, Pentecost happened, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So by chapter four, they lifted up their voice with one accord and the place shook. If you read the end of, the, of chapter four, the place shook and they spoke the gospel with boldness. You'll remember that in, in, in the Lord's Prayer, there's no I, there's no individuality in the Lord's Prayer. It's all about us and we and our. 
because agreement empowers prayer when we're together of the same mind, same passion. There's a powerful verse. And you know the story of Corinthians. Paul has this difficult church. Boy, if there ever was problems, if you think the church has problems, you go back to Corinthians. And the stuff that was happening there was absolutely awful. It would hit the newspapers and RTE <laughs> on the headlines. It was awful. And there were divisions in that. And that wasn't the only problem. But this is a major problem that Paul addresses in 1 Corinthians in chapter 1 and verse 10. And he knows there's, there's guys there saying, oh, I am of Apollos. I like Apollos. I'm part of his crew. Oh, I'm of Paul. And then you had the real spiritual guys and you haven't a chance with these guys. Oh, we're of Jesus. We have a direct channel through. We don't need Paul or Apollos or anything like that. And this is what he appeals. I appeal to you, brothers, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you, not just a few of you, all of you agree with one another so that there be no divisions among you and that you are perfectly united in mind and thought. How serious an appeal is that by Paul? He's not, he's not going in there with a, I mean, I'd go in with a hurley there to <laughs> sort those guys out. Paul has a heart of God and he knows these people have free will, free to go, free to stay, free to stay in their groupings. But he goes way beyond that and because he knows that all disagreement is an attack upon the will of God. And if you get these guys agreeing, they're going to change Corinth and they're going to change Greece at that particular time. Peter, in 1 Peter in chapter 3 and verses 7 and 9, I give you scriptures so that you can check up on whether I'm talking through my head or not. But in 1 Peter 3, in verses 7 and 9, the apostle addresses married couples and he says, listen, be in harmony together as married couples so that others will see it. And he warns them, listen, don't let your prayers be hindered. Because if you're not in harmony together as a married couple, prayers are hindered. Because he knows that there'll be differences of opinions. He knows that husbands and wives have heated discussions. He knows they have rows at times. But he's saying, don't let the sun go down in your anger. Don't leave a place where the devil can get in. Don't let your prayers be hindered. Be in agreement together. I've got a nugget for you to take away today, okay? Particularly for husbands and leaders. Never mistake silence for agreement. <laughs> I've learned that myself. You come up with a great plan. You feel, yes, this is the way to go. We'll do this. A great plan. We'll do this. And if your spouse, if your wife is silent, don't take that as agreement. Just from experience. Just telling you that. Peter, in 1 Peter 3, verse 8, he says this, and this kind of encompasses agreement because you need all of this stuff. Finally, all of you, he says, be like-minded. So you have one accord, like-minded. Be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. You need all of those things. Sometimes we all like to have our own way and we feel this is the right way. But you've got to listen more. You've got to be compassionate. You've got to hum be humble. Sometimes, see, disagreement diminishes power. Disagreement gives a place to the devil. And of course, agreement doesn't always mean seeing eye to eye. But you see heart to heart. 
It's about being sympathetic and loving one another and being honouring one another, being compassionate and humble. Number three, okay, we're coming on to new stuff now. Agreement creates covenant. In verses three and four, we see these guys, they come together and before they do anything, they say to each other, come, let us make bricks. And then in verse four, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower. So they are agreeing, they're making a covenant to one another because you can't, you, you know, if you want to build a city, you're going to be there for a long while, aren't you? You're going to put in an awful lot of effort. You're going to say, I'm committed to this. I'm covenanting into this because covenant means agreement and that's vital as we see in, in all through the scriptures. We see Jesus coming and he says, he brings the new covenant in his blood. It's a new contract, a new agreement between us and God that he has taken away our sins and we have, God doesn't have to be up there anymore. He can be, we can have a relationship, personal relationship with him because Jesus has removed the barrier between us and God. It's a new covenant, a new agreement. But we have that in our families when a husband and wife, a man and woman decide to marry each other, they make vows, a covenant agreement with each other. And that covenant agreement is is for the rest of their lives. And that's a huge agreement. But that is absolutely powerful. And that that agreement creates covenant. And we see that in, in terms of kids. You have a husband and wife who make a covenant with one another. And parents do the same with kids. Now, it's not written in a, and you don't say vows or anything. But a parent has a child. There's an automatic covenant there, isn't there? That I, as a mother, will look after this child. I will nurture this child. Even in the middle of the night, if whatever it takes. Not just when they're three months old, but parents know whether your son or daughter is three months old or 40 or 50 years. You're still there as a parent. I'm there and committed to you to have a successful life, to keep you on the straight and narrow. And it might just be advice after a while. I can't discipline you when they're 30 years of age. You wish you could, but you can't. But you're there supporting them the whole way through. So you have these. And and some of us have close relationships with friends who will weep with us. When, when we're really going through difficult times, who'd be there for us. So we have that covenant relationship. Local church is important as far as I, I'm concerned. Like it, 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 we can attend church and we, uh, I, I've done this myself. I, I was in a very, very bad state at one stage. I went to this church and I enjoyed the worship and I needed healing and I loved the teaching, but I left immediately afterwards. I didn't get involved. I was a consumer attender at church but then after a while I realized I'm going back to my old church and I'm going to commit myself there I'm going to covenant myself in there and I'm going to play my part in there I'm not going to be a consumer anymore I'm going to be a partaker in there and I'm going to make that a priority for me this is my church this is my family and I'm going to get involved and I did that. And I tell you, out of that agreement and agreeing with leaders and everything, I, we, we were able to lead Abundant Life for 18 years because we got healed through great, a great healthy church and a great healthy pastor in, in Mike Pinsent. So you have these connections, these agreements creating covenant. And this is a powerful statement. Listen to this. What you enter into agreement with in the biblical sense you take on. 
What you enter into, you take on. When God entered a covenant with you and me, he took us on for eternity, no matter what. That's powerful. Now, we can't have that kind of covenant relationship with everybody. Don't try it with everybody here in open arms. There's bound to be one or two that you will be able to walk with through your spiritual life. It's great about the, 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 the next steps. That's, that's, and it's great that you, know, you can pull back at any particular time. But it's great to take the next step, find out, and maybe link in with one or two and let them be part of your spiritual journey. Because we want to experience what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 26 and verse, sorry, there's no Corinthians 1.26, okay? It's not heresy. 1 Corinthians 12, 20, verse 26, he says, if one part suffers, every part suffers. If one part is honored, Every part rejoices with it. And in Romans 12 and verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. I love that because there's a sense of covenant relationship. It mightn't be written down or anything, but you're weeping with those who weep. You're rejoicing with those who rejoice. You're just with them on their journey. And there's a, Paul says the same about Timothy. Do you remember Paul took little Timothy? I don't, well, I don't know whether he was big or small, but he was in his teens. And he took him on his missionary journey. And Paul says this about, he says, this, this guy's my soulmate. In Philippians chapter 20 and verse, chapter 20, there's no 20, 2 verse 20. <laughs> They'll have to do a lot of editing on this message. <laughs> Philippians 2.20, for I have no one, listen to this, for I have no one else of kindred spirit. Paul had a lot of different connections. No one else of kindred spirit. In other words, I've nobody like Timothy. He's my soulmate. Fellow I've raised up is now a leader in the church. He's my David had the same with Jonathan, a soulmate. Agreement creates covenant. And even in marriage, we hear in, in Matthew 19 and verses 5 and 6, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh, for they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no one, no man separate. Two becoming one. You think two would be great altogether, but two becoming one as parents is much more powerful than two individual parents going together. That's what it's saying here. They're joined together. Agreement creates covenant. But we must be careful who we enter into agreement with. Because what we enter into agreement with, we take on. If you read Acts chapter 5, you'll find a husband and a wife who agree together, were in sympathy with each other, to lie to the Holy Spirit. And we know the outcome was not good because the holiness of the church and what the Spirit was doing at this time, they decided to just cut across all of that. Judas did the same thing. That word covenant is used when he made an agreement with the Jewish leaders for 30 pieces of silver. The actual translation there is he covenanted with them for 30 pieces of silver. So what we enter into agreement with we take on. So if somebody enters into an agreement with a gossip, they empower them and they become one with them in that sin. If somebody enters into a negativity, criticism, just tearing down uh, leaders or, or, or people, they also empower that negativity and they become part 
of, of that as well. But when we enter into agreement in prayer, that empowers the prayer and heaven gets released to bring agreement and the power of agreement into effect. So agreement creates covenant. Number four, agreement prevents discord. Romans chapter, Paul writes to the Romans and he says in chapter 12 and verse 16, live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud. Pride will stop agreement. It really will. Paul, uh, he, he writes in, in Philippians, there are these two fantastic workers, two women in the Philippian church, and they are doing mighty things. They're recognized in their ministries, and they are changing their worlds, but they are disagreeing. That can happen. Where personalities, there can be disagreement. And Paul says, agree with each other. Because disagreement opens the door for, to more evil. He says in verses 2 and 3 of chapter 4, I plead with Euodia and I plead with Synthesis to be of the same mind in the Lord. You can see Paul's heart saying, this is going to be dangerous for the church. We need to sort this out so there won't be division. But these are fantastic workers and we need, he's pleading with each of them. And we see discord, listen, is one of the greatest sins in scripture. We don't realize it. If you go to uh, Paul's letter to, to Galatians in chapter 5 and verse 19, it lists out all the sinful uh, acts of sinful, the sinful nature. And we all know the obvious ones, don't we? Sexual immorality, drunkenness debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, but also in there is discord and dissensions. In Proverbs chapter 6 and verse 16 to 19, we know this as well. There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, and people use that for slaughtering other people. But listen, it, it, I know he mentions haughty eyes, he mentions lies, he mentions shedding of blood, all sorts of evil. But one of the things that God absolutely hates and is an abomination is one who sows discord. Wow, that's at the end, but it's still one of the seven. Because people who play in discord don't keep quiet. They don't keep quiet. It has wide impact. That's why he writes in Romans 16 and verse 17, I urge you, watch out for those who cause division. Keep away from them. Don't play their tune. Okay, parents, if you've got kids, just an encouraging word for you. Be on the same parenting team. Because in marriage, we've, we've two kids. In marriage, they're not kids anymore, they're adults. You can find yourself humbled and even defeated by your own children. They will push you to the edge. And if you let them, they'll push you over. <laughs> Our biggest challenge as parents is just trying to remain on the same team. A backlash can often come from discipling our kids because we are the main disciplers of our children. Not their peers, not TV, not the schools. We are the disciples of our kids. And sometimes we have to ask ourselves as parents, love, uh, what way were you disciplined when you, when you were brought up? 
and I have to say the same. And we come to a conclusion, oh, you were disciplined totally different to the way I was disciplined. But we need to come to an agreement when it comes to discipline because our kids have different personalities. They, we have to, that requires different disciplines, different styles of discipline. We have a, a daughter, and as she was growing up, if we, said, if we said a cross word to her, if we said, you shouldn't do that, or, or that was wrong altogether, <laughs> she would just drama and melt. And, but our son, on the other hand, <laughs> you had to tell him probably 20 times, or discipline him nearly 20 times. Totally different characters and totally different styles of ways to, to disciple them or discipline them. Build agreement if you're going to discipline your child. And, and whatever works and whatever doesn't work, try and, dis, try and discover those things. Because as parents, we have huge challenges in our lives these times. Do we, do we sit down together as a family and just say, how did our day go? You know, how was school, etc.? Or do we leave our kids, go off and not have a sort of a family time and go off and watch their games or play, watch telly or whatever and we're separated as a family, there's no connection. Or another thing is, your friends, what kind of friends do they have? Your kids, what kind of friends do they have? Yeah. You know, because sometimes uh, at one stage we sort of felt, okay, the, 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 the guys one of our kids was hanging around with were much older. And we didn't, you know, because these older guys would share stuff that maybe they weren't able to, emotionally or spiritually or, or mentally, they weren't able to take on some of the stuff. Or watch, you know, what, what to watch. Oh, our friends are watching over 15s or over 18s movies and stuff like that. We would balk at that. So you have challenges like that. Another one is sports on a Sunday morning. Some of our kids wanted to play sports on a Sunday morning. We want church as a priority for us. So how do, how do you navigate that? All I'm saying is be in agreement as parents because there's power in that and, and, and discuss it. Or even if you have a new baby, I was encouraging people, listen, agree the importance of a sleep plan. If you, have no, if you are new parents, help each other have adequate sleep. Make an agreement because agreement prevents discord. Finally, number five. You're dying to get to number five. Amen. Agreement summons blessing. You know in Psalm 133, we all know this, where the brothers, where they, 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 the congregation, where they, the brothers and sisters dwell together in unity. Their God commands the blessing. He commands it. See, God is attracted by people in agreement because it reflects his heart. And he comes behind it and he says, wow, I'm going to release power. They think things are impossible. In agreement, I will make things possible. Make things that they can't ever imagine. Like I, I've sort of felt, as I've practiced this more and more, as we've gone on in abundant life in Limerick, I've sort of felt, wow, we've done a lot. We could have done more, but we kept a unity. We kept people, we have what is called a partnership where, where people buy into the church in terms of they commit to the church, they, they say, yeah, this is my church, we can do, we share the vision with the church, just like you're doing here. And you begin to get places and God gave us a building, not just for ourselves, for all of those, especially who don't know Jesus Christ. In Ephesians, Paul says this, 
Make every effort, chapter 4 and verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace because he knows that all disagreement is an attack upon the will of God. Agreement multiplies strength, empowers prayer, creates covenant, prevents discord, and summons the blessing of God.